0: Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three. I know it seems like I'm taking my good old time going through this chapter, but I am taking my good old time going through this chapter because there's a lot here. I do believe. But anyway, Philippians chapter three, and I'm going to start reading at verse seven to kind of pick up the context, but we're really going to be looking at verses 12 through 14 today. But pick up the context, although verses 12 to 14 is kind of a paragraph by itself. The verse, beginning at verse 7, Philippians 3, What things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ? Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Be found in him... But I follow after if that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The title of the message this morning is The Concentration of of the Christian life the concentration of the Christian life let's pray heavenly father we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your precious word once again we thank you father that though we many times we take this for granted that we can have a copy uh, we can have we have it on our phones we have it with us wherever we go we can have access to the word of god and that's a great blessing and privilege for this generation in which we're living help us not take that for granted Help us to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman, and needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I pray today as the word of God, as we examine this passage of scripture, as we preach from this passage, I pray that you'd help me give wisdom in handling the word of God, to handle it correctly, make application. And I pray that the spirit of God to have us who in his way in hearts and lives of your people here today, and those who may be listening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, last week we looked at how Paul gave up his life to win Christ, to follow the Lord. In verses 9 through 11, he speaks of his desire, of course, for a closer relationship with the Lord. In verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. In verse 11, he says that I might attain unto the resurrection, not advance to that state of resurrection perfection, is what he's talking about. He's talking about, it's not saying you know, that I might attain salvation. It's talking about attaining a, a place of maturity. It's you know, sort of like Enoch, who walked with God and was not, for God took him. You know, and so and, and, and he says, I, I'm working to attain that. And, and then in verse 11, 12, he says, not as though I had already attained. So what's he mean here? What Paul is saying is, you know, sometimes the old man, the old flesh, still gives me trouble. Still gives me trouble. And, And then he explains to us what we need to concentrate on in the Christian life. And so that's what I titled this morning, The Concentration of the Christian Life, because I want to notice three things from verses 12 through 14 this morning. And of course, I have some subpoints. But first of all, the present condition. Secondly, the purpose concentration. And then thirdly, the prompting of Christ. And First of all, the, the present condition, verses 12 and the beginning of verse 13. Paul describes for us the present state of things in terms easy for us to understand. He, he gives us three things. I've not attained... I'm not perfect, and I have not apprehended. <laughs> That's pretty simple, isn't it? He says, in verse 12, he says, Not as though I had already attained. In other words, you know, he, again he says, Not as though I had already. So I've I'm, I'm not attained that, which I've I'm not gotten possession of. I've not obtained a thing that I'm working for. And, and in verses 11, it is what he's referring to. The resurrection of the dead, that I might attain in the resurrection dead. This, the state of resurrection, living the, in the resurrected life. Every day, every hour of every day, every minute of every hour of every day. I haven't attained that. Yet. I'm working at it. That's what I'm, that's one of the things I'm concentrating. I've not already attained it. That's his present state of things. And neither, as he said, nor, Either we're already perfect. You know, Either we're already has to do with it. Or all things are now finished. Nothing further remained for him to do or suffer. No, there, was, there were more things that remained for him to do. There was more growth remaining for him to grow in. And there were more things that he was going to suffer yet. He, 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 wasn't, he wasn't perfect yet. The, the idea of perfect here means, the word perfect means, to bring one's character to perfection, to maturity. And so, the Lord was still working in Paul's life, even at this state. You know, uh, John 17, 23 kind of gives us an idea of this perfection that the Lord was talking about. And when Jesus says, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them, and thou hast loved me, so that they may be made perfect in one, so that they, God, you and them, can have the, be made perfect, have perfect, and the idea there is of unity, can be of one mind, one purpose. Let me ask you, are you always in one mind with God? Are you always in one purpose with God? Paul's saying here, I, I've not yet been made perfect. I'm not made perfect. Neither have I. And he says in verse thirteen, "Brother, I count not myself to have apprehended. I have not apprehended." You know, the, to apprehend to make means to make one's one's own to take into oneself or to appropriate so in summary paul is saying i have not arrived to the spiritual level of maturity where i have complete unity and i completely rest in the promises of god not arrived there yet i have not arrived at a place where i no longer struggle with the flesh now in fact, if you read other Paul's writings, we see illustrations of this. Go to Romans chapter seven, Romans chapter seven, and he gives a very clear uh, 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 expose of this very thing. Romans seven verse 15. He says, "For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is not good, that it is good." Now there's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So he said, I'm still having this struggle in the flesh. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. The inward man, the spiritual man in me, wants to do the will of God, but I still live in this body of flesh that I struggle with, and sometimes I give way to. And sometimes I do the things I should not do, is what he's saying. But I see another law, verse 23, in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he talks about running a race and buffeting his body. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 25 through 27, he says, that every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible ground, but we are incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. So he said, I have to continually buffet my body. I have to bring it into subjection. And So Paul is saying here, I am not arrived at this place where I no longer struggle. In fact, in Acts chapter 15 we see that paul and his companion traveling companion and 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 fellow preacher that he uh, went on missions trips with that actually the the guy who brought him to antioch and was influential in introducing him to the disciples at jerusalem cuz they were all afraid of him but this man came to and took paul and said look or, and said to those at jerusalem the disciples of jerusalem look he he has been truly born again. You don't need to fear him anymore. And, and, and then they went on missionary journeys together and planning planting churches. Of course, we're referring to Barnabas. And, and of course, that first missionary journey, they took John Mark with him, who's Barnabas's nephew. John Mark's a young man. And in Acts 15, verses 36 through 40, there's a contention over this between Paul and Barnabas. And it says in verse 36, And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, see how they do. Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed him to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And so there's this contention they had. Paul was not willing to give Mark a second chance in missions ministry. You know, And probably his reasoning was something like, he can't endure hardships. You know, first century missions was hard. It meant suffering and hardships. And, you know, understand Paul was somewhat accustomed to these kinds of things, you know, traveling ministry and persecution, because he used to be the cause of it. He used to be the cause of it. Now he's on the other side, but he has experience. John Mark, young John Mark, was not prepared for the hardships, and he returned home in that first missionary journey. And Paul doesn't want to give him a second chance. And it's it's so adamant about it, it divides he and Barnabas. Some will say automatically that Paul was correct. I'm not so certain of that. Maybe it's just that they needed to divide and make two teams. But nevertheless, Paul doesn't want to give him a second chance. But later in 1 Corinthians, uh, uh, later than this time period, 1 Corinthians 9, 6... Paul uses Barnabas to illustrate the authority God gave them as ministers of the gospel. And later, he sends for Mark. And he says, send him to me, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Do you know, do you ever think possibly that Paul might have been a little hard-headed? You know, God used him greatly. But he's he, he, he saying here to us, and, you know, and, and this is, can, we can all relate to this, I'm sure, that look, I've not yet attained, I've not yet arrived, I'm not yet perfect, I've not yet apprehended that which I'm apprehended, I, that which I'm seeking after, I haven't really attained to yet. You know, he would tell us in Galatians chapter 5, that the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. You know, this is the present condition that we live in. Then live in this body uh, that we live in, and of course, eventually he's going to tell us well, one day we're going to be we delivered from this from this vile body. But this is the present condition we live in, and 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 we need to to uh, recognize our struggles and 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 endeavor to grow, but don't be defeated and destroyed by the fact that sometimes we fail. So that's the present condition. Then I want you to notice, secondly, the purpose concentration. Verses 13 and 14. Notice what it says here. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Now I want you to emphasize this one thing. One thing. He is concentrated on a single thing goal. And that goal is the likeness of Christ in his life. He wants to be conformed, as he wrote to the churches in Rome, I want to be conformed to the image of his Son. I'm 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 determined that all things in my life, good and bad, will work together for the good of them that love him. That I might be conformed to the image of his Son, Romans 8 tells us. He wants to walk in holiness and in the righteousness of Christ. And this is within the grasp of all of us who are saved. It does not require great ability, great intellect, but simply great determination. See, this, and it needs to be this one thing I do, single. You now, the Bible has something to say about being singular in mind. In Matthew 6, verses 22 and 23, the Bible says, The light of the body is the eye. If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. He said, If your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. In other words, you need have a single do- goal. Don't be a double-minded man. James 1.8 tells us a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It's like, the, you know, and he goes on in Matthew 6 there, and you can't serve God and mammon. You need to determine to serve God. In everything, you're going to serve God. Be single. Have one goal in mind. You know, we live in an age, in a day, of Specialists. And specialists focus on one thing. You know, we don't have the general practitioners anymore. They're rare. No, we have specialists. But usually, you know, it, the specialists are better at their field than the general practitioner is in that field. Why? They focus all their time and all their learning and all their education on this specialty. And that's their specialty. I mean, you may have a heart specialist. And he may be a greatest at, 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 at you know, heart transplants or repairing hearts or open heart surgeries. But he'd be terrible operating on your foot. No, you, you want a specialist. You know, he's singular and focused. And that's the way we need to be with the Lord. This one thing. Somebody has said, and you know, again, this is, this is obtainable to all. It is impossible. Quote, impossible does not exist for a child of God who says, this one thing I do. Unquote. Demosthenes, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Anyway, the Greek orator was born with a speech defect, which he determined to correct, and he did by speaking with pebbles in his mouth and practicing before a mirror. See, we need to be singular. And for this concentration, Paul gives us three things that we need to concentrate on in seeking to to, uh, attain, to be perfect, to apprehend that which we are apprehended of. Three things. First of all, a forgetting of the past. Notice verse 13 again. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting the things which are behind. To forget here means to neglect. No longer care for. You need to neglect. You need to, be no, you need to n- not care about the things of the past. You know, the past is a wonderful teacher, but we cannot live in the past. James one twenty four says speaks about the man who beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and war, forgetteth what manner of man he was. That's the same word there, forgetting. Neglects. You know, the man looks in the mirror at himself, and then he forgets what he looks like. He doesn't do anything about it. That's what we need to do with the past. We need to forget it. It's behind. The things which are behind, that don't return back to. You know, it could be people, possessions, houses, jobs, sins, offenses. But too many allow the past to dictate and control the present which ruins their future. Winston Churchill said, when he came to visit the United States during the war, quote, if the present quarrels with the past, there is no future, unquote. You know, too many in America are quarreling with the past. That's what they're doing. They're quarreling with the past. They're saying how bad our past was. And they are ruining our future. But too many Christians are quarreling with their past. They're not at peace with the past. And it's affecting them now with discouragement and defeat. You know, Paul could have done that. Of all people... You, you, you could pick any of the disciples and you could find things in their lives that could have been, they, they, they could have hung on to in their past that would have ruined their present, ruined their future. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, in verses 12 through 16, 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 through 16, Paul says this I thank God, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. Who was before, here's his past, a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy. This is my present. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him to everlasting life. He says, you know, the, the, you know this is a this is a uh, the, the grace of God was exceedingly abundant. This is the this is the the, the present, you know, a faithful saving, a worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I was a chief of sinners. But you know what? That's all in the past. That's in the past. I have to forget my past, my wickedness, my sins, the cries of children as I took their fathers away. I have to forget it. And so we must forget the past. You know, and I cannot, we cannot live today on the victories of yesterday. You know, they're wonderful memories, but we can't live on past victories. We have to continue in the fight until the Lord comes. And so, Paul says, if we're going to apprehend that which also we are apprehended of Christ Jesus, we have to concentrate on forgetting the past. No longer caring for the past. Secondly, we must follow in the present. Must follow in the present. Verse 13 again. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this is one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now, when he's talking about the things which are before, he's not talking about the things in the future. He's talking about the things that are right in front of you. That are right here in front of you right now. The word before he means in front of, in the presence of, in the local region of. That's what it means. They're right here before you. It refers to the things of today, the opportunities, the responsibility, the privileges of today. Today, I, I, you know, I should be seeking to know Him, to understand what it means to suffer for Him, to be made conformable unto His death. Today, I need to be doing that. I need to follow after. That means to run swiftly in order to catch some person or thing to run after. You know, we, need to, we need to run after the things that God is, is, is seeking to give us. You know, one of the things that says here that we are apprehended, Paul said, I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. God is seeking to give us truths and teach us things in our life and reveal things to us that are not pleasing to Him. We need to run after those. This requires an interest, a desire, a willingness to embrace or put into practice what the Lord is teaching you. It requires learning, labor, effort, changing one's mind to obtain what is desired, to appropriate His will and His way into your life. It is to follow His commandments and not to lean to your own understanding. To know what it is to die to self and live the resurrected life in the power of Christ. To be willing to die for the gospel's sake. To take the places that no one wants to go. To people who are not like you and me. Being willing to suffer. To be in want that am I here and know the truth. For some it's being willing to go to India. Endure the hardships. To go to Greenland endure the loneliness. Most of us are repulsed by those things. We don't want to endure it. We may hate it and even question if it's the Lord's will. Was it the Lord's will for Paul to suffer as he did? You know, the Lord's will can be hard. (laughs) But we need to be willing to follow the Lord in the present. To obey Him in the present. To live as he pleases, as it pleases him in the present. To go after those things that please him. You know, Paul was called as a chosen vessel to bear his, the Lord's name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. And in Acts 9.16, the Lord says to Ananias, he says, For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. How'd you do it, Paul? Well, 1 Corinthians 15, 31 tells us. He says, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I die daily. See, I die to myself, and I run after the things that please my Lord. I follow after those things. Those things that he puts in front of me, (laughs) think about it. He put Thessalonica in front of him, what happened there? He got ran out. A riot ensued, and he got ran out. He goes to Berea, and he preaches the gospel there. God put Berea in front of him, and he goes to Berea, and he preaches the gospel there, and those from Thessalonica come down, and he gets run out of Berea. And this happens over and over and over again. It seems like the evil crowd follows him around chases him from one city to another. Do you know what? He took the gospel to every one of those cities. They heard the gospel in every one of those cities. You know, it's possible that Paul maybe, may not have gotten to as many cities as he did if he wouldn't have got chased from place to place. You know, in Acts chapter 8, Paul, the persecutor, was persecuting the church of Jerusalem because of that they scattered and went everywhere. But they went everywhere preaching the gospel. Down in Judea and Samaria. And so Paul says, I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before, following him in the present. You know, it's living from the Lord from for the Lord from day to day. It's not pie in the sky living. It's just real down to earth living. Sometimes it's just sometimes it can be monotonous. Sometimes it can be just plain hard. I remember Brother Forney saying one time, you know, about going to the Canadian Arctic. And he said, uh, most uh, gun-ho Americans can't handle it. Because he said they can't stand sitting around and waiting for those people to get saved. They've got to be busy doing something. But, you know, you can't make people get saved. So we need to follow him in the present. We need to forget the past, follow in the present, and then there needs to be a future that we pursue. Notice verse 14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The word press here is a strong word. It means to pursue. And it's used 44 times in the New Testament, and 28 of those times it's translated persecute. And to me, that's very telling. You know, if you persecute somebody, if you're a persecutor, you go after those you persecute with vengeance. There's a, there's a zeal, there's a motivation. It may be jealousy, it may be hatred, or it may be fear. You know, Christians are, sometimes are, are persecuted because governments fear. Communist governments fear Christianity cause it changes the minds and hearts of people. It sets them free. One of the you see the 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 thing that, that that uh is required for communism to work is a domination of the mind. To keep people under control. Well, when a, when people are born again they begin to think for themselves, <laughs> they've been liberated. This so, is so, has often been said that it's impossible to enslave a Bible reading people. And Saul, you know, Saul of Tarsus, you know, who became the Apostle Paul, of course, that's what he did. He went after the churches with a vengeance. And so this is the idea here. You know, persecutions around the world are done with zeal, vengeance. You know, they usually they 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 give all their power, all their energy into it. And so we ought to pursue this prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, there is a price. It is not heaven. It's not what he's talking about here. Heaven is a gift. It's a gift. It's not something we work for or earn merit for or win by our merits. You know, salvation is something we have in the present. Heaven is our inheritance reserved for us who are kept by the power of God. So heaven is not the prize referred to here. We're talking about the victor's crown of one who runs the race, or the crown of faithfulness that Paul spoke of in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6-3, where he says, I fought a good kite, I kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, not to me only, but all to all them that love his appearing. So he's talking about a a, a, a prize A crown that the Lord would give to him in that day for faithfulness. And Paul said, I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. It's it's a reward for those who have overcome themselves and were faithful. It is the prize of a well-run race, a well-fought fight, a well-kept trust. It is the highest achievement of the Christian life. It is a prize worth living and dying for. And so Paul says, look, you need to forget the past. You need to follow in the future. Or follow in the present. And then you need to, there needs to be a future you pursue. The prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But I want you to notice the third thing. We see here also the prompting of Christ. Go back to verse 12 again. It says, not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, the word apprehended means to appropriate or to own. And he says here, I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. In other words, Christ, by His power and influence, is laying hold or trying to lay hold of my mind and my will in order to prompt and govern it. And of course, He's given us the Holy Spirit of promise whereby we are sealed to the day of redemption. And the Bible says in John 16 that the Spirit of God will, will, will teach you all things. He will lead you into all truth. So, the Lord desires, the Lord's desire for you and I is to renew our minds through His Word, to change our wills, to bring it in, you know, your wanter, if you will, so that you desire what is holy, what is acceptable unto God, and that which is your reasonable service. You know, the Lord's going Lord's to work on you until you go to be with Him. Just like a parent. A parent that loves their child is going to continue to work in their child's life to develop qualities, character, traits that are pleasing and right until they leave the home and go out on their own. So that when they leave the home and go out on their own, they're prepared for life. And they can make wise decisions and wise choices. And the Lord is going to continue... To work in our lives. To bring about His will. To conform us more and more into the image of His Son. Again, we see examples of this throughout the Scriptures. You know, think of Peter. Presumptuous Peter. You know, often acted contrary to the Lord in his life. You know, in chapter... Matthew chapter 16, he very dogmatically declares that Jesus will not be crucified. Huh. To which Jesus severely rebukes him, tells him to get thee behind me, Satan. Thou savest not the things that be of God. Even in the garden, he wants to fight the band of soldiers that have come to arrest Jesus so that he could be crucified. Jesus is told them that You know, I'm going to be crucified. And yet, Peter wants to fight, and he cuts off the servant of the high priest's ear, and Jesus again has to tell him, look, put up the sword, and he heals the man's ear, and then says, this cup, shall I not drink it? In other words, what he's saying is, look, Peter, I must die for your sin and the sins of the world. Don't stand in the way. Don't stand in the way. After the resurrection, even after all this in John 20, he said, I go fishing. In other words, he's going back to his old life. And he goes fishing. And many of the disciples go with him. But Jesus calls to him from the shore. Have you any meat? (laughs) No. Cast the net on the right side. They did. They gathered so many fish, they couldn't gather them in. You know, the lesson is simple. Hey, Peter, your life won't be a success if you follow your flesh. If you want to obtain the prize you got to follow me. you got to follow me. And then three times he says to Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. You know, what was the Lord doing? He was continuing to apprehend or prompt Peter to forsake Simon Peter and follow the Lord. You know, aren't you glad that God never gives up? You know Peter became a changed man. Somebody said he got an arena for God, if you will. He ran, he fought, he kept the trust God had given him. You know that's what God asks of us. You know we may not have already attained, may not be perfect. We are not perfect. May not, we, may, we have not apprehended yet, we are ap- we seeking after. But we need to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Where are you in your life? Are you in the race, in the fight of the Christian life? Are you serving God or are you serving self? Are you a witness for Christ? Is your life submitted to Him, directed by Him? Are you pursuing the perfection of the Lord?